Hello, everybody. Welcome again to a second edition, a second weekly edition of the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. This is Jay Kokorowski. We got the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski here, and we're going to break down a bunch today here on the show. It's a Friday edition, and honestly, it's uh, we'll talk some Badgers and Packers coming up in maybe about 10, 15 minutes, but we want to introduce, uh, we're talking some Milwaukee Brewers, obviously, first and foremost, taking precedent with their Three, you know, with their three-two uh, win yesterday in extra innings over the Colorado Rockies in the uh, game one of the National League Divisional Series, and to help Scott and I break down the game, but also just some of the roster moves and whatnot, we have my tall adult son, Kurt Kurt Hogue from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, uh, a young right young reporter that I am always very fond of from his time at Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And Kurt, how you doing, my friend? I'm I'm great. I think I'm even better after that introduction. That was like the best the best introduction uh, I've ever been given. Tall, large, adult son. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but now it's a uh, but no. For those that don't don't that you should remember, Kurt did a lot of work for us at Bucky's fifth quarter covering football and basketball. Had a great walk on story. Now you're doing great things for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. You're heading out to Miller Park in just a little bit. But on top of that, uh, you're covering prep uh, prep sports and, and athletics there and um, you know, heading to Miller Park, just what's your reaction to everything? You interned for MLB.com, you know, a year or so ago, a year or two ago already. Uh, just what, you know, what's the, what was the excitement level at Miller Park? Or what have you seen around Milwaukee for that matter, just with, with the playoffs? Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Uh, Brewers fever really picks up, you know, once, once every few years when the Brewers are actually competitive. And it it really picks up. I mean, it's it just it just comes naturally too to the city. I think it's it, it's it's a city with a great baseball culture as it is. I, a lot of people say I've heard it's a football state, but it's a baseball city in Milwaukee. I think it's pretty true. Um, so even when they're losing, you know, people are still generally interested in the Brewers. But um, it's reaching new levels, man. Miller Park has been rocking for about the last week straight, nonstop. Let's get into yesterday's game and. Um, it was a great game, a lot of drama, exactly what you expect out of playoff baseball. Every pitch you're kind of living and dying by. But before the game started, it was announced that this would be a, quote, bullpen game. And while I'm usually not a huge fan of this new trend, it does make sense for the Brewers because they really don't have four solidified starters, right? However, yeah. things, things don't work out the best. Uh, Jeffers gives up the two runs. Thank Thank the Lord for instant replay. Otherwise, who knows how that game would have finished with the, the the double that was foul that was originally called a double. But going into the game, what did you, what were your thoughts about Craig Council announcing this would be kind of a bullpen by committee game? To be honest, I thought it made a lot of sense. Uh, in game one of a playoff series, you're going to try to pitch, if, if at all possible, you're going to try to line up your ace, your best pitcher, to throw that game. Now, Chassin, Yuli Chassin would have been the guy, I'm sure, if he had not pitched on Monday. So he was unavailable, and he'll be going in game two. But the Brewers' bullpen is their ace. That's their best staff. And what they have the luxury of is they have a lot of guys that can go multiple innings, and that's what you that's what you want if you're going with the bullpen game so you don't have to use nine, ten arms. You can, you can have a Brandon Woodruff go three innings and a Corbin Burns go two innings. And it worked out exquisitely um, – if you would have told anyone that they would have given up one hit going into the ninth inning, I think I think that's exactly what that's even better than what the Brewers could have asked for. Unfortunately, it didn't work out with Jeffress um, having one of his worst outings of the year. But 
the bullpen kept them in the game despite the offense really not doing much. So um, I think it made it to me it made sense. And, and with that, I mean, it, it, it did work the plan uh, yesterday. And I mean, can we talk? Let's backtrack even. Like, what are your thoughts initially on, on the roster itself? The the, the 25 man roster for this postseason, and and were there any surprises to you as they head into the you know now they're going into game two and is there any in your opinion any advantages disadvantages from uh you know the number of pitchers or number of, of players on the bench that you know going up against now with what happened in game one some scenarios that could really I would say you know could it tilt in Brewers the Brewers favor or are you worried about anything else with with pitching wise as well uh, heading into today's game. Yeah, there's a there's a few interesting notes um, that that I kind of thought of when I saw the roster. One of the first things I, that that I think people noticed was that it's four, there's 14 men on the bench, which means the Brewers are going with an 11 man pitching staff with essentially one, maybe two starters. If Wade Miley gets a start, we don't really know yet. Um, so essentially, what they're doing is 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 essentially like they have a DH, the designated hitter, um, in their lineup, especially on bullpen days because they're not going to let their pitchers, those relief pitchers, hit. So they're maximizing their at-bats. Um, an interest, another interesting part was, you know, you saw that Dan Jennings and, and Xavier Cedeno, neither of them made the roster. The Brewers essentially are saying, the Rockies mash against lefties, and we are not going to use a roster spot on one of these guys who essentially all we use them for is to get one lefty out. So they're, it's, very, it's a very right-hand, right-handed pitcher-heavy staff. So and also, I think if the Brewers had lost last night, if they had lost that game, if Jeffers had given up three runs, they would be in a much worse position. Um, I think the Brewers being down 0-1 is would be much worse than the Rockies being down 0-1, if that makes sense, because they would have had a lot of guys unavailable today. Uh, Hater would, Hater might be unavailable for Friday's game, and then Burns, Woodruff, all those guys are down, and you're relying on Chassin on short rest, and that's just not a situation you want to be in. Let's play this out uh, going forward. So let's say they advance to the uh, NLCS and then the World Series. My thought, and you can tell me if I'm totally off base, is in both of those series, if they make it that far, they'll likely carry another pitcher because in the World Series, you can use a DH for three or four games. Um, and and because you'll only have two off days in a seven-game series as opposed to two off days in a five-game series. But then if they do advance to a seven-game series – I think they will continue to use bullpen games, but won't you then have to have at least one more starting pitcher in the fold? Yeah, that's right. I think you would have to go with at least two, if not three, starting pitchers. I think we might see Wade Miley get a start in his Rocky series uh, at Coors Field. But if you're, you know, planning for a six, seven game series, and you've been bullpenning a lot as it is for the last three weeks, they they might they might have to to carry another starter, whether that's Zach Davies or Chase Anderson, or if they give like Freddie Peralta or one of those guys a start. Um, yeah. It, just from a sheer inning standpoint, you would almost, you would almost have to carry not, not only carry another pitcher, but, um, but also have it be a starter because there's a bit of a concern over how these guys arms can hold up when they're pitching that often in such a short amount of time. And we're here with Kurt Hogue. Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, JS Online. Of course, you guys can follow him at it's at CY. You still got the CYRT, if I'm not it's mistaken. Still correct got the Y, there. yes, because the people, the guy with my 
handle with my name has taken my handle, so it doesn't what? tweet. I'm I'm bitter about it. Yeah, it's it's whatever. Yeah, but yeah, it's C Y R T H O G G. When it comes to how do you see this? I mean, I know we're we're coming up on time. I know you're a busy man. You got to get going because. You're going to be at Miller Park, but then also heading on to take on to watch some prep football tonight. Where, uh, how do you see this series playing out? In your opinion, Scotty and I gave our opinions uh, a couple days ago, but where do you see this series playing out? And and do you feel the Brewers can get to? I mean, can will they get to the National League Championship Series? So baseball, baseball as always is the most unpredictable of sports. But uh, my prediction from the beginning has been Brewers in four. Last night almost threw a bit of a wrinkle in that, and I saw some people say that it felt like a loss, but in playoff baseball, in my opinion, nothing feels like – it's either a loss or a win, you know? It, it either feels like a win or feels like a loss because that's what you did. So um, getting up one nothing was huge. I think if they take game two today, I don't see a way that this team loses three in a row. Now I'm going to submit myself for some old takes, but uh, they're just playing so well right now. And I think that this roster is utilized very well for a for a five game series that they have the upper hand on the Rockies. That said, Colorado's pitching staff is incredible, and uh, if their bats do get hot, you know, the Brewers could could quite quickly see themselves out of the playoffs. Scott, you got anything else for for Kurt? I mean, quite frankly, we could talk for an hour, but I know Kurt has to go. I mean. We don't have to get into the breakdown of yesterday's game, but hopefully we'll have a chance to talk more about a potential NLCF series with you, Kurt, if you're available uh, next week. Yeah, I hope I hope they hope we have a chance to talk about it, and uh, I hope we get we also take advantage of that chance as well. Absolutely, and and Kurt, uh, real quick before we let you go. What can people expect from you coming up? You know, at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and JS Online. Oh man, I've always got always got the preps hashtag brand coming. Uh, high school football season is picking up. Um, playoffs are coming up here in a couple of weeks, so continual breakdowns, videos, video highlights, uh, Im- photos, galleries, things of that sort. Uh, nonstop content coming from the preps sports side of the Journal Sentinel, which is I'm sure I'm sure what this podcast is all about the high school. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's where my, my roots are in high school sports i used to do city uh conference basketball and state uh football uh play by play so i love prep sports yeah it's, yeah, it's be, great yeah, yeah uh rec- college football recruiting maybe is a different story but no uh, yeah i don't want to talk about <laughs> it uh, but yeah, so no, that sounds great. Kurt, Kurt, be well, man. Appreciate you as always. Uh, enjoy Miller Park and then also, uh, you know, continue the great work you do. I know I follow your work often, uh, you know, it, going on right now, whether you're in Wilmar or uh, here back in ta- back in uh, the home state. So be well, man. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Always a fun time. Excellent, guys. That was Kurt Hogue, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel GS Online. Follow him on Twitter at CYRT. H O G G. And with that, uh, yeah, let's Scotty, let's talk real quick. Uh, it's gold Packers, uh, big thing going into the, you know, the matchup against the Detroit lions. You're looking at the simple fact that, uh, the wide receivers based of, yeah, the wide receivers based off of gosh, uh, the injury report does not look great. No, it doesn't. Um, I think, 
Devonte Adams is going to play. That's my gut feel. I could be wrong. Cobb's already already been ruled out, and Jerron Wallison has yet to clear the concussion protocol. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it could be some Ty Montgomery playing some receiver. You could see um, uh, Valdez playing uh, some of the other young players more. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, the defense has looked better better in the last six quarters. But the offense, I think, is going to go in shorthanded. I'm trying to run the ball more, trying to use some more Aaron Jones, a little bit of uh, just, you know, run run the ball as much as you can and as long as you can stay effective and hope the defense can play close to as well as they played. Detroit's been tough uh, to play in Detroit the last three years. They had a, the, the Hail Mary game a couple of years back, but, you know, it hasn't been an easy place to play. And uh, you have a hobbled quarterback. It's going to be tough. And I saw the latest line was a pick em. That's about right. I mean, this is going to be a tough one to pick. Um, and the Packers are yet to win a game on the road, yet granted it's only their second road game. But they haven't proven that they can win away from Lambeau yet. And, and we'll find out uh, if they can get their first road win of the year. Absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, I you'd think that they'd win. That's just my uh, point, you know. Um, that's just my opinion. You'd think that they'd win, uh, or they, they could pull it off. Uh, but you just, yeah, you never know. And it's a, uh, you, after the performance they had last week against Buffalo, which obviously the offense wasn't finely tuned, you'd say, but the defense showed it, it could play. But again, you're going up against Matthew Stafford and, and the lions and uh, with a, I don't know, you, despite not leading the lions to a great record, he's still, uh, you know, Stafford's still a dangerous quarterback, but I'm. I, yeah, and they've got they've got really good receivers. I mean, right. Kenny Galladay as a number three has been really really solid. They're gonna mm-hmm. be. They're certainly gonna be. If you don't get to Stafford and you give him time to pass, it could be a long day for the Packer defense. Absolutely, absolutely, very 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 much could be. Um, any other uh, anything else from the NFL we want to touch on real quick before we uh, do? We do you want to talk about Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy when it comes to the, the little mm-hmm. verbal jab that uh, after the game and whatnot between Rodgers and, and then you know McCarthy's response yeah, or anything? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll make it brief. There's been a little bit. Of, I, I think that they respect each other. I think they have always had uh, different philosophies when it comes to the the play calling and, and sometimes the game plan, not all the time. It's not cancerous yet, but um, Aaron Rodgers would probably like a little bit more input on some things like most quarterbacks that, that have achieved what he has probably get. And there are times where under Mike McCarthy, the offense has been predictable. I don't know exactly what part of the offense and what part of the game plan Aaron Rodgers had a problem with. I mean, let's be honest the last couple of weeks, some of his issues have been that his receivers can't hold on to balls. So that's a problem. But um, yeah, I mean, I think part of it could be the, the, the run pass mix and, and, you know, keeping Aaron Rodgers upright and, and keep him from taking hits because he's trying to heal. Um, I don't know. And hopefully they figure some of that out and hopefully they have a good open line of communication. and They don't thing like this to fester, but um. Clearly, if you look at it, they did not play their best offensive football. And if it wasn't for the defense, you'd have a one-two and one team right now, and it, things wouldn't be looking so good. Absolutely. So now I think, I mean, they've always I always felt like they've had like an, an opportunity to 
really yeah i think they've always had that type of relationship where you remember even like mccarthy almost throwing in a bad challenge flag it was against minnesota and like aaron just yelled at him uh, i always feel like they've been very yeah, transparent with feelings at times or as transparent maybe as, as maybe it's a bad word but maybe they, they've been open or at least aaron's been open with his thoughts here and there he hasn't gone maybe the full way through but he's opened up a little bit where he's kind of had a door ajar to his feelings about what's going on. So I don't make too much. I mean, it's something to talk about, something to watch, but I don't necessarily feel that it's a, it's a big problem yet. Well, obviously it, it, it is something to think about and I'm not going to be shocked jockey and, and, you know, stir the pot, but let's see how this season rolls out because there is still a chance that this could be Mike McCarthy's last year in green Bay. Only because, and I say this, not because I think McCarthy's a bad coach. I'm not as hard on him as some other contemporaries of mine. But every GM wants to bring in their own guy, right? Right, right. So if, if this team finishes 9-6-1 and one or 8-7-1, and one, I, don't be surprised. I mean, you're paying a lot of money for one of the top quarterbacks in the league whose window is eventually going to close. You need to get to a Super Bowl in the next four years, right? And... uh the Packers brain trust may, may feel that Mike McCarthy is not the guy who can do it. Again, I have no insight on that. I, I don't have any insider takes. I'm just giving a gut feeling and an overall impression, but we'll see how that plays out. Absolutely. On the other side of the football, uh, that's on Sunday. Well, uh, and then Saturday, of course, is the Wisconsin Badgers, number 16 in the, the AP poll, number 12 in the coaches. Had you know home contest against underneath you know under lights at Camp Randall Stadium against the Nebraska Cornhuskers who are zero and four underneath Scott Frost and it's a very uh, I've done a lot of I've done a couple podcasts for Nebraska and I did a radio hit up in Appleton earlier today and it's been not I mean I, I got a weird feeling about the game I think Wisconsin's going to win I have them by winning mm-hmm. by seventeen right now my current prediction but. Um, with the current conditions outside and what's supposed to be raining I think it leans more in the Badgers favor because of the running game and mm-hmm. Nebraska is very much a dual. I mean, look at their offense right now. They pass for over 200 yards. They run for over 200 yards. So they're very well balanced there. It's just, they don't put points on the board and their third down conversions are, are bad. So I don't know. Part of me, you saw what BYU did a couple, you know, a few weeks ago and, and just with the running game there. Uh, but I'm I'm leaning more towards obviously towards the Badgers in this favor, but it, it's going to be, I mean, this is going to be a hungry Nebraska team going in to take on Wisconsin and, and what better way to then to try to really, uh, you know, put a, you know, a damper on a 2018 campaign for Wisconsin, than then losing to Nebraska. Uh, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be, it's, it's not going to be a cakewalk despite the record for the Huskers, in my opinion. Well, this is one of those games that will either, you know, because you're right, Nebraska is still hungry. But if Nebraska loses this game, their season's over. Because 0 and 5, you just you'll have people start, you know, not quitting per se, but the effort level will go down. But I think they're still going to be fired up for this one under the lights, right? Right. So that being said, um, you've been you said you've been on a lot of these podcasts with Nebraska and and, and whatnot. Are they absolutely losing their mind in Lincoln right now? I mean, you talked to a couple of the guys. I was talking to um, – we have some friends over at Hale Varsity, um, and they're in town actually, Derek Peterson and uh, Aaron Sorensen and them. But I was talking to Derek last night, and Derek had said that – you know, I mean, they are joking because I said like, oh, well, if you guys want to do a drinking game with Jake Ferguson, if you hear the words 
Wisconsin tight end Jake Ferguson, who is the grandson of Wisconsin athletic director Barry Alvarez, go ahead and drink. And he's and he said and he joked, he's like, I, I don't think they want to do any more drinking games because they're already, they've already been drinking with this season so far. So I think that's how the fan base is. I mean, there's a lot of hype, right? It was a lot of hype coming in. Maybe I even drank a little bit of the Kool-Aid where I thought maybe that not this year, but next year, Nebraska would compete more. I'm, you know, after this start. I'm a little bit more weary of it just because you still have to get maybe two or three recruiting classes in till you really get your guys in that have bought in that you've recruited to implement. I mean, the offense I think is already starting to to work well uh, with what you're seeing from Adrian Martinez and and Divine Ozigbo and Maurice Washington on the run game. And then uh, Stanley Morgan and JD Spielman as wide receivers. They're still looking for like the, the third wide receiver, which right now is Cade Warner, uh, son of hall of fame quarterback, Kurt Warner. And so I, I think, yeah. Uh, and so it's one of those things where I think offensively, yeah, they're they're I think that's more along the lines of, you know, they're getting there obviously all the way there, but defensively is where they've really struggled. Right. I mean, you guys, if you guys look at Bucky's fifth quarter uh, earlier this week, I did an opponent preview uh, on them and gosh, uh, it's not pretty where they're, they're giving up, you know, they're 117th, 118th in the nation in points allowed. And that's nearly 39 points for contest. They're, you know, they're in the major four categories defensively, they're 80th or worse. Oh. And yeah, when it comes to third down conversions, I think they're 77th in the nation, but uh, in, in allowing that, uh, in allowing third down conversions. So it's not pretty. And they are, uh, and so this is a team that's going to really have to, uh, I mean, there are some good parts. Wisconsin. I mean, talk, I talked to Bo Benchwell, and you talked to Joe Rudolph, the offensive coordinator, and he, they, you know, they they complimented. There are some playmakers. There are some individuals on that team. I mean, Mohamed Barry, the inside linebacker, who was a former Wisconsin commit. Uh, Carlos, uh, you know, Bo Benchwell praised Carlos Davis, a nose guard. Uh, you know, and also talked about the outside pass rushers, and that's uh, you know Luke Gifford and, and Tyron Ferguson. Uh, so. It, they could spell a little bit of trouble, but Wisconsin really should just ground and pound. You know, they're giving up 165 yards per game. The Huskers are on the ground. And even with Xander Neville now out for the year, which is just heartbreaking on my end, I've gotten to talk to Xander a lot uh, the past couple of years, and he worked back from his torn ACL, and he really worked hard to get back into shape and into the season. He was fighting other injuries before this new knee injury that was that surfaced. Um, my heart aches for him just because he, he really put out a lot of effort to get back on the field and he's a redshirt senior. So this effect, effectively ends his career. He's not granted a six year of eligibility, but back to the point, I mean, Wisconsin should still be able to run the ball. They've showed the jumbo package with the seven linemen. I think Logan Bruss becomes that uh, pseudo, you know, that's that fake tight end as an extra tackle, even though Luke Benchwell, who's coming back from injury was Neville's backup in that inline tight end position. He should really be there as well. He should be able to play uh, as well uh, after injuring himself in Western against Western Kentucky earlier this year. So uh, they're going to have to replace though. I mean, he's a key part of that running game, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think so. I'm going to say, um, all that being said, I'm going to say 31-16 Badgers win and the statue of Tom Osborne will cry more tears. The living statue of Tom Osborne, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go 41-24. I think Wisconsin gets points. I think, I mean, the conditions right now, they're talking. I checked earlier this morning. I'm taking a look real quick just to make sure. But the weather was saying 
rain in the forecast. I mean, we have run underneath like a flash flash flood watch here in the Madison area oh, until God. one one p.m. on Saturday because we're supposed to be getting about another inch. But tomorrow night, you know, it's going to be right now. They're saying showers and <clears> sixty <throat> uh, cloudy with occasional rain showers. And then rain late, the same cloudy with rain developing after midnight. So it's going to be a damp area, uh, you know, depending upon how the footing goes. Um, it could be right now in Wisconsin's favor, but we'll see uh, going yeah. forward. But uh, if it's a running game, I would say Wisconsin takes the cake. Uh, in, but it might be even be more. Uh, but we'll see. Otherwise, well, we next, have to say, well, next week what? we're gonna we're gonna hopefully talk about a Nebraska. A, def- a defeat, Wisconsin defeating Nebraska, and preview. Everything seems to be happening in Michigan. Last week, the Brewers here defeated the Tigers to get a chance to, to win their division. Now the Packers are in Detroit. By the way, the weather there doesn't matter because it's a dome. And then next week, at Michigan. Um, so it seems like yeah. Michigan is the, the hub of uh, of Wisconsin sports right Absolutely, and that's going to be an interesting matchup. If the Wisconsin, if Wisconsin does win, you'll see them go out and I mean Shea Patterson has that offense. They had a big come from behind victory in and out, you know, in Evanston against the the Wildcats. It's a must win for the Badgers from here on out. So they have to be hungry, but they're also going to go up against a really tough defense with Chase Winovich and also the obviously you have Shea Patterson on offense uh, and, and a, you know a dangerous return game for the Wolverines as well. So we'll see how it goes. Um, anything else you want to say before we take it home, brother? Um, other than go Brewers, uh, let's hope for a clean sweep Brewers, Packers, Badgers, so we can come back and stay jovial next week. Absolutely. You guys, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at Kielbasa Kings WI, at B5Q, at Scott Wesmusk2, at B 5 q Listen live on, not listen live, but listen on iTunes, on Google Play, uh, and also just, like I said, subscribe to. That way you get our episodes right off the bat. It doesn't cost you a dang thing. We are free, folks. We are here for you guys. So until next week, guys, uh, enjoy the Wisconsin Sports Weekend. Tons of tons going on, and we'll check you guys out coming up soon once again here on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. <laughs> <laughs>